the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And today, as Christians, we celebrate with a few billion other brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, celebrate worshiping, honoring, adoring, and ceasing from the mundane affairs of life to remember and celebrate Jesus Christ, who forever has changed the world. Do you feel like celebrating today, or has the joy of the season gone out of your life right now? Well, if it has, if the joy is gone, take just a few minutes with us, if you can, and um, refocus yourself. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is here with another edition of Study Verse by Verse, and he's taking us through the first chapter of the New Testament book of Matthew. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on the web if you'd like to know more information about us or listen to past broadcasts at studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Now, we call Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Christ is not a human name. It's an official name or an official title. Christos is the Greek form and it means anointed. And in the Old Testament, there were only three groups of people who were anointed. They were prophets, priests, and kings. And we find that Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. He was the prophet who came to declare the word, Deuteronomy 18. He is our faithful high priest, Hebrews chapter 2. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Revelation 17. In verse 22, we find the first of many statements that are found throughout the book of Matthew that connect the events of Jesus' life and ministry with Old Testament prophecy. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. I want you to notice here the phrasing. It is God speaking, but he spoke through his prophet. In this way, the New Testament declares the divine inspiration of the Old Testament. Now, verse 23 is a quotation from Isaiah 7, 14, from the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament. That was made about 200 years before Christ. I'll talk a little more about that in a moment. But let me give you a little history on the background of Isaiah 7. Isaiah came to King Ahaz and said that God would give him a sign. King Ahaz was the king of Judah. Judah was under attack by Israel and Syria. And King Ahaz was concerned about that. And so Isaiah came to King Ahaz and he said, God is going to save the nation of Israel and he's going to give you a sign. A young woman, that's the meaning of the word in the original Hebrew, Alma, it's distinct from Betula, would conceive and bear a son. And before that son could know the difference between right and wrong, the kings of Israel and Syria would be cut off and Judah would be saved. That was the sign. And all of that happened in the time of King Ahaz as a sign to him. But now that prophecy is caught up in its larger meaning as a messianic prophecy concerning Jesus' virgin birth. And this is what is called the telescopic feature of prophecy. 
Most Old Testament passages had a near partial fulfillment that took place during the period of the prophet, but they also looked forward to the complete fulfillment which is found in Christ and in His kingdom. A recognition of this principle is essential to understanding the relationship between the Old Testament and New, the prophecy and the fulfillment. Now, some people have had a problem with the choice of the word Alma as distinct from Betula. But during the intertestamental period, that is the time between the final writings of the Old Testament and the New Testament was written, about 200 years before Jesus came to this earth, there were 72 Hebrew scholars, six each from the 12 tribes, who were commissioned to go to Alexandria and translate the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, which was the common language of the Roman Empire. And when, they, when those 72 scholars came to this passage in Isaiah, chapter 7, they recognized it as a messianic prophecy, and they chose to use the Greek word parthenos, which means explicitly virgin. Even 200 years before Jesus Christ, the Hebrew scholars recognized that this that the Isaiah 7 meant virgin. Now, in this prophecy is also a third title for the coming one. In verse 20, he is designated as the son of David. In verse 21, uh, he is named Jesus, the Savior of the world, or, uh, Savior of his people. And now he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus fulfilled many prophecies of the Old Testament. Let me give you just a few. In Genesis 3.15, we find that the Messiah, the Savior would be the seed of the woman. In Genesis 12, 3, the Messiah would be the descendant of Abraham. In Genesis 17, 19, the Messiah would be the descendant of Isaac. And in Numbers 24, 17, the Messiah would be the descendant of Jacob. In Genesis 49, we find that the Messiah would descend from the tribe of Judah. And in Isaiah 9, 7, that the Messiah would be an heir to the throne of David. In Psalm 45, 102, and elsewhere, the Messiah would be anointed and eternal. In Micah chapter 5, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And in Jeremiah 31, the Messiah's birth would trigger the slaughter of children. In Hosea 11, the Messiah would also come out of Egypt. Those are just a few of many prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. It says, Joseph took unto him his wife, that is to say that he took Mary into his home and thus publicly accepted her as his wife. And in so doing, he accepted the reproach and the slander that would be cast in his face as one who had had sexual relations with their fiance before marriage. Now, in our society today, this is hardly raises an eyebrow. But in the time of Jesus' uh, life, uh, it was even a capital uh, punishment. It's much different than, than today. And so both Joseph and Mary had to pay a very high price, their reputations and much more, in order to be faithful servants to God in carrying out His will. Jesus also was mocked many times in His ministry as being an illegitimate, illegitimate child by His enemies. I want you to take special note of verse 25 where we find the statement that he knew her not until she had brought forth a son. He knew her not 
until she had brought forth a son. After the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph did have complete marital relations. And it's confirmed by the people of Nazareth in Matthew 13 when they asked the question, Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And incidentally, historical evidence indicates that the New Testament books of James and Jude were written by Jesus' half-brothers, children of Joseph and Mary. So Scripture reveals that in time they came to believe that their older brother, Jesus, was indeed God's Son and Savior of the world. This idea is also reinforced, reinforced by the statement she brought forth her firstborn son. The fact that there was a first indicates the existence of others. And so I wanted to point this out to you because there are teachings that take place that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Uh, That is not found in scriptures. It's not supported by scriptures. In fact, uh, Jesus seemed to be in a very natural, normal kind of environment for growing up. And when we minimize his humanity in order to magnify his deity, we're not really being true to Scripture. Jesus was truly and fully God, and Jesus was truly and fully man. And though we cannot understand this mystery, that's what the Bible teaches. And if we accept what the Bible teaches, then we find in it great encouragement, comfort, and strength. You see, as God... Jesus is able to save us from our sin and make us more than conquerors. And as a man, Jesus is able to sympathize with our human weaknesses and help us in times of need. Now, the angel announced that the child conceived in her would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, and is named Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. God came into human history to save people from their sins. And the implications of this are profound. Now, God could have chosen for Jesus to be born in the house of a nobleman, somebody who was wealthy or powerful or politically well-connected, someone important. But God displayed his heart for all people by choosing to have Jesus born into a poor family of obscurity. As Pastor Ron Walters pointed out, when Mary and Joseph came to make their offering, it was two turtle doves, the offering of the poorest people. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life in relative obscurity, probably working as a carpenter with his adopted father, Joseph. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home, never wrote a book, never ran for political office, didn't make much money. He was homeless. He was impoverished. And he was not well known until he entered ministry at about the age of 30. His ministry only lasted about three years, about a thousand days. And in those three years, he was performing miracles, feeding the poor, caring for the sick, and demonstrating that he was indeed God who had come into human history. Through his actions, which were without sin, his words, which were filled with power and love and life and grace, and his own death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus proved that he was indeed the Savior of the world. And his legacy has had a profound influence on the quality of life of every person who has ever lived since. In fact, history is divided into two eras, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., 
meaning the year of our Lord. We're talking about a person of whom more songs have been sung, more books have been written, more art has been commissioned than anyone who has ever lived or ever will. And today, as Christians, we celebrate with a few billion other brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, celebrate worshiping, honoring, adoring, and ceasing from the mundane affairs of life to remember and celebrate Jesus Christ, who forever has changed the world. Well, if you weren't with us at the very beginning of the program, we have ended right where we began, and we'll pick up from here on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse when we conclude this message tomorrow at this same time. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno an outreach supported by the congregation primarily. We also have a number of financial partners who come alongside and help us cover the expenses of being on the air. You can become one of those individuals when you go to our ministry website at studyversebyverse.com. Information about special services coming up on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at Church of the Highlands can be found at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Yes.